Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, everyone. Wow, we haven't seen each other for a while. Um, feels like just yesterday. But um, it was yesterday. How's everyone feeling before we start? Everyone feeling okay? I'm good. Yeah, I'm weather's great. nice. Yeah. yeah. Hey, cool. I'm, I'm psyched. If it's possible, to be, if it's possible to be tired, tired of hearing your own voice, I am there. <laughs> <laughs> now you well, know how we feel. All, tired. We're all tired <laughs> of hearing your voice. No, I'm no. We're all, no. Um, no, definitely not. You did a hell of a job yesterday, and you guys all did. All right, let's let's jump right into it because we got winners and losers to talk about today. And uh, is, that, is that okay? Or we, do we have anything interesting? Do Russ, we have anything? Well, no, Russ has got an interesting pre-show thing. Oh, yeah, well, we'll start with pre-show because I think Kevin will like this. Um, yeah, go. Yesterday during the day, they were um, you know predicting that Steph Curry was going to pass uh, Will Chamberlain for the all-time Warriors points record. And it made me want to look it up because I, I saw Wilt towards the middle, really towards the end of his career, last three, four years. And, but my dad always talked about him, what a great athlete he was. He was a track and field guy. He was a volleyball guy. Like, he wasn't just a big basketball guy. And and it made me think, well, Steph Curry has three-pointers. And so I imagine Steph Curry's done this in pretty quick order. But Steph Curry, it took him 12 years to do what Wilt did in six years. And so, you know, the argument is, well, Wilt was, you know, bigger than a lot of the other guys. And my argument to that back to that is – because Mike was mentioning that to me yesterday, my argument is, well, Manute Bowl only averaged 3.7 points in his best year in his career, and he was bigger than Wilt. So it's not just about being big. And so yeah. they're saying that Steph Curry is better than Wilt Chamberlain, and they also had mentioned that Steph Curry is a better assist guy than anybody in basketball history. And, of course, he's never going to pass John Stockton, and he hasn't even passed Tiny Archibald yet. Now, as a player, he's probably a top-10 player all-time but I don't like the fact, and I hope ESPN does not do this with hockey, but I don't like the fact that they just sort of make their own history. That bugs me. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I'm a big Steph Curry fan, though. Um, you know, what I like about him is uh, not only is he a great athlete, but um, and it's a cliche sometimes when you say he's a better person than he is a player. He is. I but, saw him on a, uh, a live taping of the John Oliver show. Uh, not John Oliver. Um, not John, I was Stephen Colbert when he first started. Yeah. I was at the, I was there, and I could see everything, the outtakes and everything. Terrific guy, the way he, he was very respectful, really good guy. Yeah, and he's done so much uh, with people. And I know I was talking with Jeremy Roenick about uh, Curry. Always went to the NBC golf, uh, uh, celebrity golf tournament that Roenick always played in, and Roenick got to know him, and he said, you know, everything about him is just so real, like. You know, you said a lot of guys at that celebrity tournament will sign autographs, but uh, Steph Curry will go, you know, three times the amount of time everyone else will, will do it. And he's, you know, he's just so, uh, you know, into, uh, you know, just um, being himself and, you know, doing his thing and enjoying, uh, um, you know, his celebrity status. He doesn't uh, let it bother him. Good points. It's really cool. Really cool. And interesting, uh, you brought up Will Chamberlain because, you know, as everyone may or may not know, um, right now in the trading card world, it's nuts. Um, really? Yeah. Oh, yes. And the, since the pandemic, yeah. Since the pandemic has started, the prices have gotten ridiculous. I mean, we've seen cards sell for millions of dollars, newer cards. And I just saw, um, you know, Will Chamberlain, despite being an incredibly dominant player, has never been particularly popular with collectors, but his rookie card just—I just saw this like two weeks ago—went on eBay, uh, a, a graded card, a PSA eight, meaning it was, uh, you know, one of the better graded Will Chamber rookies. It went for one hundred twenty-four thousand dollars. So, holy cow! Yeah, it's interesting. I, I love, I love the. You know, I know you guys are really, you guys have done a really good job with trading cards and stuff like that, and. Uh, Fun. That's fun stuff. I mean, I've heard of, but I was talking to um, our buddy Steve, who wrote an article for us last year about some trading cards, and uh, says how the prices have just gone up so amazingly since then. I was talking about that recently. 
crazy. Yep, no, they've gone crazy. But again, you know, when people were home, they went back to something. They reverted back to something they really liked to do, and that and, was collect. And of, yeah. and of course, like I started collecting sort of late when I was like maybe 13, 14 years old, and I got some decent cards. But when I when I was collecting, I didn't care as much about the condition of the card that, rather than the card. It's like I have a well, none of us did. Yeah, I, I have a Mike Schmidt rookie, but it's got a crease. So, you know, it's it's probably basically worthless. I have a Robin Yount uh, rookie that's a little off center, a George Brett rookie that's got a corner. So it's like, you know, my my it's basically, you know, I mean, I have a collection of great things that are all dinked. <laughs> well, you know me. I mean, what do you think I did with my hockey cards? I taped them to my to my um, rod hockey players. Like I taped them on top of them. Like I, I taped. So they're like totally beaten to hell. Like my hockey oh, cards. Yeah. Like I would, I would take a hockey it? card. What's rod hockey? You know, like the turn hockey thing, you know, where you have the like the bubble hockey. Table, table hockey. Table hockey. Table hockey, yeah. yeah table hockey. Right. Rod hockey. So the players that spin around. And um, so I took the player, you know, I would take a player that spun around and I would take the, the hockey card and paste it right on and then tape it right on top of it. And I well, would change them out. Thing, for, change them out for different games. Like, one other quick thing, um, spokes. Yeah. Sorry, Mike. Yeah, we did put them in the spokes too. One other thing at my dad's house, he gave me a book that my grandfather collected, and since Kevin and I um published some books kevin a lot more than me it made me really appreciate this book it was a 1958 book it's like the length of it is like the length of like three or four books it's that quintessential table book and it's like the basically it's in biographical order of western gunfighters from 1958 the author signed it you open it up and it says the binding was done by these people the typeface was done by these people they it you know it looks completely typed like off a typewriter, like, but my dad was a printer. So I know that it was printed off a printing press and it's just the meticulous care that they used to do for these books. Kev is crazy. This one happens to be in great shape. And I, I me, I, I finally have to read it. Cause I, I kind of like the Western gunfighter angle. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Nice stuff. Nice stuff. Nice stuff. All right, let's get started here. Ready? Um, it's Tuesday, April 13th. That should be easy to remember because it's the day after the trade deadline. Hello, hockey world. It's Tuesday, April 13th, 2021. I'm Michael Agello, and what day is it? <laughs> Russ Cohen from Sportsology. I'm Kevin Allen from Hockey Buzz. And I'm Eklund. You're watching the Hockey Buzzcast on HockeyBuzz.com. This is the podcast that comes every Monday through Friday, usually not for four and a half hours, but one hour to fill you in on the comings and goings in the hockey world. Although if you guys pass enough, we'll do four and a half hours every day. You know, we just <laughs> we just need $1,000 from each of you on Patreon. $1,000 from each of you on Patreon, and we will definitely do four and a half hours every day. No problems asked. No questions asked. That's a challenge to everybody out there. We know we know you're watching. All right. So, so here we go. Um, we're gonna we have Kevin Allen on again. People are like, Kevin's back, and it's it's a Tuesday for crying out loud. What's happening? The world has gone bonkers. Um, yeah, so we just wanted to have Kevin on because he wrote a great article for the for Pocky Buzz today about the winners and losers. And this is the this is really the fun time to talk about that. You know, the day today's the day to do that. Um, and uh, so I'm gonna we're gonna start with we're all gonna talk about ours, but I want to start with you, Kevin, and give me your uh, give me your biggest your biggest winner. Well, you know, it's interesting. Normally, you know, I've been doing these uh, for, uh, you know, 30 yeah. years, the winners and losers. Yeah. And uh, they're always a little bit challenging to sort of sort yeah. it all out. But I thought this year's was fairly obvious. Um, yeah. You know, the big winners were uh, the big contenders. Um, you know, certainly the Tampa Bay Lightning um, picking up Savard, uh, the New York Islanders getting uh, the goal scorer they need in Palmieri and the savvy uh, veteran uh, in Zajac obviously was a big winner, and the Maple Leafs. I mean, the Maple Leafs yeah. got a player that they, you know, really feels to me like a like a glue type player. You know, kind of yeah. tying their their team all together. A guy who's got some pushback, a guy that's got some leadership, a guy that has some character, a guy that's been around the block a little bit, uh, and Nick Felino. So I really like them. And then there were some some smaller uh, things that maybe people didn't think about, but. I thought the uh, the Eisenman move uh, trading Mantha was huge, yep. uh, and uh, I was interested to see how the fan base in Detroit uh, reacted. And you know, they get it. They knew that Mantha, um, you know, was uh, struggling to be the player that uh, the Red Wings wanted him to be. Um, so they are very excited about that. And the fact that he was able to get back a comparable player, uh, yeah. and, and he are very similar in terms of the number of goals. Amanta had a bigger season, but but here's the, the two points I would make. Yeah. Number one, 
is uh, even strength. Verano has been a much better player. Now he played for a better team, so let's let's you know throw right. that out there. But um, and and the other thing was, and and part of this was the fact that they were willing to take Ponick's contract. Yeah. But you know, they end up with a first round yeah. pick in the second. Um, so that you know, <laughs> so, they, so so the Red Wings were my fourth, and then my fifth winner was the uh, you know the Florida Panthers. I thought they just did a really nice. Uh, uh, job of getting, uh, um, you know, pieces that sort of make them um, a, a much uh, better team and getting, you know, Montour and clearing up some some cap space. Uh, there was just a lot of, of deals that sort of added up. And it's almost a continuation of what um, Bill Zito, the, the rookie general manager, has been doing all season. Like, you know, and I, I keep bringing this up because I think it's lost on people. Is yeah. how many changes he has made. Like I he know. has changed over half of that roster. <laughs> and the, the, the only similarity that I can use is what Jim Rutherford did when he went to Pittsburgh. Right. That, that first yeah. year when he they ended up winning the cup, that and half that roster were guys he brought in. And right. you know, he oh, yeah. didn't change Malkin okay. and Crosby, he just changed the guys around them. And I think that's what Zeno has done. You know, uh Huberto and uh um. Uh, why am I drawing a blank on it? Barkoff. Uh, Barkoff. Barkoff and and Huberto are still there. You know they still got Ekblad, although he's injured now. Yeah. Keith Yandel is still there. You know the nucleus is 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 all there, but he's changed all the people around them, and now they're a completely different team and a culture. And the 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 final one I had for a winner, uh, I also had for a loser, which I've never done before. <laughs> I had Columbus Blue Jackets as both. A winner yeah. for getting two first-round picks yeah. at a yeah. time when GMs were all saying we're not going to give up for first-round picks for yeah. Polino and Savard plus other picks as well, and a loser because if they're in a position to have to trade their captain and a very valuable defenseman, you know that this season has not gone the way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> true. That's a great point. I mean, really, it is. And, and then yeah. Matthew Riley is not looking a lot better either, so they're in another spot there too. And I and I agree with that. Cap, but if they would have not done that, then they would have been the bigger loser because they had assets that they needed to trade, yeah. and, they, and they took advantage of it. And they'll probably get Felino back uh, after the year. We'll probably re resign with the Blue Jackets. At least that's the indicator. Very there. possible. Like I talked about the situation with his wife and his his kid yeah. down there. You know, I, I mean, you know, if that but was they, me or that was any of us, we probably would resign there. You know, right? But, but I think it was more than that. It was the fact that Yarmo like went to him he was involved in the process there was a lot of respect there and i think that you know i mean on it's a it was a mutual thing so i think that will lead him back to columbus after the after he plays with the leaf so let, let me just right I, I, I you know kevin just said all the winners i i won't hog the losers but i'll give you two big ones okay um one is the winnipeg jets because they had an opportunity yeah. in the north division to I think challenge Toronto and lesser so Edmonton because uh, I think Edmonton is a flawed team. But if they would have added I think a top four defenseman, they weren't willing to pay the price to get a top four defenseman. And in the end, they get a, a depth defenseman in Jordy Ben, who's a fine player, but he's not he's not going to play that top four role. And I think that you know they're going to have to depend heavily on Hellebuck in the playoffs and that forward depth to be able to get them through. And I, I don't know if they're going to be able to, I think they're going to have to depend too much on Pionk and Morrissey. And I don't know if they're going to call up any of the young, the young ones, but the other yeah. one is unfortunately the Buffalo Sabres are a massive loser because they did not get anywhere close to, I mean, you can tell the difference between an experienced general manager and Yarmo Kekalein and managing his assets. And I know there were different situations and different, uh, you know, but yeah. Nick Foligno had a no move clause. He was involved in the process. They got a first yeah. and a for Nick Foligno. Taylor Hall had a no move clause. In the end, apparently, there was a Western Conference team that was going to pay more than the Boston Bruins did, and Taylor Hall decided, I want to go to Boston. They didn't manage it right, and they get a second-round pick in Anders Bjork. They got underpaid on Stahl, and they probably got about the uh, same the, the right amount for Montour, but they didn't get anywhere close to the value that a lot of people did, so I think they're big losers in, in, at the deadline. All right, so I, I've got a couple things. First one is – the uh, Memorial Cup was canceled. And that that kind of hurts me because yeah, I, I've been to three of them and and they're great. Like anytime I can go to the Memorial Cup, I go because 
Yeah. Uh, it's just a spectacular event. So that's, that's canceled. Uh, yeah. I think, I think I would put maybe number four as one of the best moves went really under the radar was the Pittsburgh Penguins getting Jeff Carter. They only gave up two conditional picks for next year. Mm-hmm. Basically mm-hmm. Ron Hextall gets to call his old, his old employer at the end of the year and say, well, how do you think it went? And they'll say, well, you know, you can give us this and that. And, and that's okay. Like they basically got him on borrowed money. It didn't cost them anything this year. So the fans can't say you spent assets for this draft, which you shouldn't have done. It keeps them in the race now and gets them a chance to go further in the playoffs. You could put Carter with Crosby and hope that you generate more goals with him. Like this was a great under the radar move. I felt that was one. Go with you. I want, I want to go with you on that one, but um, and yeah, but do your second verse, and then I'm gonna we'll, okay, and then we'll hone in on, the, I'm gonna hone in on a couple of things you guys are all saying. So. All right, the second thing, the only thing that I would disagree with Mike is I think people are underrating what Anders Bork is, and I also think that people are forgetting Taylor Hall wasn't Taylor Hall anymore. So yeah. it's not like Taylor Hall could get the Hall he would have gotten, lack of a better term, uh, a couple of years ago. No, that's very true, and um, I really hope. I really felt nervous for Taylor Hall after watching that interview. Like I, I just felt. I mean, I'm, it's rare that you feel sorry for a guy making that kind of money, and you know, I, I, I always say these guys, these are professionals, or whatever. Taylor Hall has been through it, man. He, you can tell mentally, yes. like he has, because he's a guy who I've talked to in the past, and I've really found to be a very personable, very upbeat character. Um, silly, downright silly at times, you know, and yet, uh, yet to see him in this. In this, after being traded to the Boston Bruins, which is an opportunity, like this is an exciting team to go to, a team that you know has a lot of great players on it. He couldn't get up any excitement for it at all. I, he was I, more I, apologizing for what happened all year in Buffalo. Yeah, like like I said yesterday, it's a that's reflective of the toxic situation. Well, I don't think it's. I don't, yeah, it is. It yeah, is. But it's also it is. just it's also just personally him. I mean, you know, he knew when he went to Buffalo that he, this was probably going to be the scenario. We all knew no, it. He probably he knew no, he was going to be moved to the trade. No, no, no. If he if that was the case, he would have never. Signed no, no, not the, not the, not that would be this toxic. But he would he knew he'd be traded. He probably figured he'd be traded at the de- deadline. That's what I meant by that. Yeah, but he thought it would be. Uh, you know, it would be fanfare. There'd be trumpets yeah. going, and it would have yeah. been, you know, kind of exciting. And yeah, I mean, th- there's one thing that's uh, uh, why I, you know, I know Russ is right about uh, Bjork's potential, but you know, the the fan base can't celebrate that because, as Mike pointed out, that the toxic nature um, of the environment. It's just so overwhelming to the fan base. No, and that's fair. That, that they 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 just can't go there. Like right. uh, you know, um, you know, it, their idea was uh, that they were going to have this guy for a season, right. uh, and then he would or wouldn't resign. Probably wouldn't. Everybody sort of anticipated that. Right. And then right. he moved out for a first round pick. But because that situation is so messy, and it's the messiness. That is mm-hmm. is the at, at the root of of uh, the agony that the the Sabre fans are feeling over this. Like no. you know, if if this was a, a, a if there was a feeling of optimism in Buffalo, a second round pick might have and Bjork might have been enough. But right. there's no feeling of optimism. It's a feeling mm-hmm. everybody is just distraught yeah. about yeah. where this team is at. You know what they're yeah. talking about on Buffalo Radio today, Eck? They're, what they're saying is four first-round picks got traded on deadline day, and Buffalo didn't get one for the guy who was who had the biggest cap hit of them all. Yeah, but, but we yeah, all yeah. said. But here's the thing: you we two goals, and it was obviously going to get a first-round pick. You can't cool. say that cool. on Buffalo Radio, knowing he had his worst season. Right. It really. I mean, what I, what I got from Hall was a couple of things. Like when I was watching him talk, was a couple of things. Like you know, and you know, not to psychoanalyze the guy too deeply, but one, I got the feeling like my plan failed. You know, like that kind of situation. Like he, I was going to go to Buffalo. I was going to play with Eichel. I was going to do well. I was going to have a great season. I was going to get a great great contract next year. Go to go to a contender, and it, and he just looked like you know, man, that couldn't have gone. That's a stupid. I like it. It felt like he was kicking himself or his agent or something just for well, saying you know, this just this just didn't work. If it was Darren Ferris, if it was Darren Ferris's idea to go to Buffalo, he should be fired because because it it it, it turned out badly. It didn't work well with with mm-hmm. him and I, with him and Eichel. It, it's been a failure. Now, he, listen, his, Mike, to be fair on that, we all we all. I mean, I even you, I we know. all thought it was, we all thought at the time. Like, it's to go twenty twenty and say that you know, like and and yeah, Ferris Ferris is in a, is in a is in a job that does require 
you know, just, no, I, the results aren't there. He should get fired. I, I'm not opposed to that, but we also have to sit there and say, this is not a horrible idea. I'm just, I'm as guilty as anyone. Cause I thought it was going to be a success. I'm not saying, I'm just saying it turned out not to be a success. And the only way that he, he can recoup any of his value is to go to Boston and light it up. And, you know, he's playing, he's playing Buffalo four or five times before the end of the season. So I'm sure he'll get his goals. Like six. They're playing six times. Yeah. Six yeah. times. That, that's a fascinating thing too. We'll get to later, but go ahead. Well, I, I think I right on this, Mike. Um, yeah. I don't think you can blame the plan. Um, the, the plan was fine. Um, it made sense. Uh, they right. were willing, you know, he, this was an opportunity that he had. It was going to be convenient to play uh, in Buffalo. He was going to have a top-notch center. Um, they were giving him a, a real, you know, there was talk for a while there that he may not even get $8 million, that he was going to get, you know, yeah. less than that to play. Right. That yeah. is $8 million. It, you know, looked, it looked like it was a good plan. I don't think the, the plan was faulty. You know, the execution – Right, and, right. And some of it, you know, Eichel's injury could not have been forecast. No, yeah. no. I don't, I don't think people were, were, uh, you know, I don't think people thought that the Sabres were going to win the Stanley Cup, but they thought they were going to be better yeah. uh, this season. So I think the plan was fine. I just think, you know, that it didn't work out. And um, I just think that what's going on in Buffalo, Buffalo is much bigger than the impact it has on Taylor Hall. Uh, you know, I just think that uh, right. the great fans in Buffalo, uh, and they are great fans, uh, deserve a better situation than what they have now. There's no trust, no faith um, in this organization, and I don't see that changing. Um, uh, they need, you know what they need, Kevin? They need they need something like um, they need a. They need, they, they need someone like a Billy Garen to come in there. Honestly, is what they need. They need somebody who comes in there and says, "Screw what's happened." doesn't matter just let's let's move let's move you know like chris pronger would do this in a locker room like chris pronger would jump in the locker room and he would be like what the hell's wrong with you guys like what are we right. all moving around for we but play in the nhl we're hockey players we're getting paid to do this let's go out and have some fun and let's win some games and they they need to get to the basics and simple what was that that's not possible with the it's completely possible in that room i mean the bagulas bagulas don't control the room they the control the control the team. They own the team. They want yeah, to control the whole reason that Kevin Adams was hired is they want personal hands-on control of the team. They were tired of hiring people that were suggested to them, like Tim Murray, like Jason Bottrell. They've had it. They won't do it. That's why everybody's suggesting that Jim Rutherford should go in there as a, like a VP of hockey operations. They don't believe in that. They want right, that's not their management style. What Mike is saying is true. They don't want to bring in anybody else, not because even of cost, because they say they don't believe in it as a management structure right. for any one of their businesses. It's a tough sell. You're not going to be able to sell them on that. I don't know. I don't know why. Like this is uh, a management management structure. So. What is it they don't like? I mean, every business has. They yeah. want, I'll tell you what it is. I'll tell you what it is because I, I worked in management. They want as few people as possible reporting to them. They don't want many layers at all. They literally want it to go from the team yeah. to the coach to the GM to them. That's it. They don't want like anybody else in between. Well, yeah, they I mean, yeah. just Rutherford. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah, right. the, fun, the funny thing is, is their management style – they had a the same team president, which I think is unprecedented. They had the same team president for the Bills and the Sabers at the same time. That's how much they didn't they they didn't they don't believe in hierarchy. Do you want to know something about Sabers fans? Okay, we have on on Hockey Buzz right now. We're we're trying to find the next great Sabers bloggers. We're having like this American Idol type competition where we've had we had ten people originally submit blogs. We've narrowed it down to five. I'm letting people comment on it, and you know, and we're gonna find the next guy. That this is how we found Eric Engels. This is how we found other people along the line, right? This is a fun way to do it. The chat room, it's because the community is so strong. I wanted the community to kind of pick their guy, um, and there's some they're, they're really knowledgeable. Yesterday's blog that was up for two days, granted, there wasn't a new blog post yesterday, so it was up for two days. Thirty-one hundred comments on Hockey Buzz. Thirty-one hundred comments on 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 a Sabres blog for a guy. That's that's where Sabres fans are. That is like. You know when when you're getting that kind of passion, that's insane. I don't I don't think we've had a blog that's had that many comments in two years. You know yeah, that I, I, I did want to mention it. Dave Checkets at one time was with 
the Knicks because he always was with the Knicks and was overseeing the Rangers too. Okay. But he's the only other guy I can think of, Mike, in the history of sports. Yeah, like, and and that and that and that guy, the guy who was the team president of the Bills and the Sabers, was fired for a sexual harassment situation. So Kim Pagula took over as president of both the Bills and the Sabres. And I'm not attacking the Pagulas. This is what they No, they're cautious. Did. I think they're cautious in, yeah. in yeah. doing something else. That's what it is. Jim DeVolano was vice president of both the Tigers and the Red Bulls. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Right. Right. I mean, it's – it's it's listen, it's a bad situation. Um, But, you know, the last thing on Hall signing there for sure was the uh, the fact that we're, you have to remember, you have to put yourself in the context of the day he signed. Excuse me. The day he signed – we didn't really even know when the season was going to start. Like there were some crazy, I mean, you know, everybody had, everybody was basically gone and for him getting $9 million at that point, I thought was insane. Like I thought right. that crazy because I mean, we don't even know if there's going to be how many games we're going to play. We, we were having podcasts. We're like, I remember feeling this, like, what the heck are we going to play? Or is the, the pandemic going to be terrible? Is it going to get worse? Is another wave coming. All this stuff was going on at that time. At that time he signed, that was insane. That crazy. Yeah. It was a crazy time. I'll give I'll give you another another loser and I'm, this this is the thing. Well, why don't you get X comment first and then on Jeff? Yeah, let me Carter get my comment on the um, on Jeff Carter because and then a couple of things Kevin had too because I think that um here's the thing like I couldn't agree more with what Russia with what you're saying Russ like and the thing about Jeff Carter and we know him really well and I want when he is fired up yeah you know and and he he is something like and he still is something like he because you know, remember Jeff Carter didn't play in the playoffs. Right. The Kings didn't go to the playoffs. He's like a year off. Right. So he was like basically doing that. And he I, I feel in that period of time, he got a lot of his mojo back to like, I still want to be a hockey player type thing. Yeah. Yeah. Because you saw it in the first couple games of the season, especially like yeah, I watched great. The, the first game of the season. He had two goals for the Kings. He was all over the freaking ice. He was everywhere. And I'm thinking, my God, you know, where is this Jeff Carter been? You know, um, and then as time went on, the Kings weren't playing that well. He sort of settled back into his thing. I think he could tear it up with Crosby like no one's business because of the excitement of doing of being in that situation again. I just I'm really I'm really looking forward to seeing it. I and, really am. and talk about low risk. Okay, uh, obviously the Kings retained fifty percent of his salary, yeah. but the last two years, this year and next year of his deal, in in a, in a right now in a realm where there's hardly any revenue with limited or no fans in the stands. He's a one million dollar out of pocket for Pittsburgh this year and next year because yeah. it's yeah. a great. I'm telling you, it's a yeah. great acquisition. It's a no lose because if he doesn't if he doesn't pan out, yeah. then, you know maybe they buy him out or he right. yeah, it's, it's fantastic and and it just and it shows it also shows that Jeff Carter wants to play hockey. I mean, he really right. He, he he does show yeah. And you know, everyone just needs to remember he's 36 years old. Yeah, he still he's still, you know, like if you. Uh, Pro-rate his goals this year. He's, he's probably on a regular A2 game would be like a 16-goal score. But right. yeah. you know, the Penguins are a, a better offensive team. So, yeah. so maybe he's a 20-goal score. But he was a 20-goal score the year before pro-rated. Yeah. If you you know look at that as well, I think he had 17 goals in 60 games or something like that. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I think that the teams that you could loosely label as contenders that didn't follow through and make an ad, I would put them in the loser category. And like I said, Winnipeg is one of them. Yeah, Edmonton to a lesser extent, but they were they had cap constraints, so Kulikov was probably the only defenseman they could really really add because he was about a million dollars. But the Carolina Hurricanes, I'm sorry, the the one move, the one significant move that they made trading out Hayden Flurry, that was because Hayden Flurry wouldn't be able to be protected in the, in the expansion draft. He's under contract, and they were going to protect Shea, Slavin, and Pesci. Uh, Dougie Hamilton's a UFA, so they don't have to protect him. They were afraid uh, a, a former top 10 pick in Flurry would be picked by his former GM, Ron Francis, in Seattle. Yeah. So they moved him before they would lose him. That's all. They didn't get a goaltender, and they didn't add a defense. But they they did say that they had a need for a right-handed shot with physicality. So if they really had that need, it's a high price, but they're willing to pay the high price because they couldn't keep the guy. And here's my thought, and then I want Kevin to comment on Carolina for sure. My thought on Carolina is this: if they were in the Metro Division, they would have made a trade. <laughs> and the reason, because I, I honestly think that you know the division they're in, they know they're in the playoffs. They know they're you know they know that they're up against it in the playoffs. Like they know. And even they didn't get that emergency goaltender. I still don't understand. Oh, no, I know, but I, know, I don't but understand it. I don't think they. I don't think they believe. I mean, Waddell on the other day he was on. He was on um, Trade Center right before he went on the air, and he said, um, "He said, you know, you know, we're, we like where we are. If we can get an impact player, 
You know, they may have tried to get Vatnin, and we don't know, or whatever. But, you know, if we get an impact player, we'll go for it. Um, but he also said, you know, and they said, what about, you know, Tampa? Do you think you can, you know, and he's like, ah, Tampa's a hell of a team, you know. And Odell is so crazy honest, you know. <laughs> yeah, he is. They're, they're just, they're just, they're, great. they're really great. And, you know, and it just made me think, like, okay, you know you're in the playoffs, so that's safe. So from an owner's perspective, the owner knows he's in the playoffs at least. And now he's like, you know, now if he was in the Metro division, though, would he be in the playoffs? Like, would Carolina be fighting for playoffs? But I think they would be. I think it would be different if they were in the Metro division again right now. And I think that, uh, Kevin, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I, I, I do agree with you that it would be different if they were in the Metro. It's just they that's what was a wide open division. Anything yeah. can happen, and that's the, the position they would be in. But, um, you know, he, he said on the record beforehand that he did, wouldn't yeah. be doing anything big. Um, he has consistently believed in his uh, goaltending when nobody else did. He points to statistically they've been fine in the goaltending yeah. uh, role. And uh, he said that uh, they were looking for a defenseman and if they got a good deal on one, but he said, you know, I'm not going to be, you know, and this is my words, not him, his, yeah. I'm not going to yeah. be stupid crazy by giving away, you know, right. a few sure. assets to get a guy. And you know, the bottom line is and he didn't say this, but I've thought it was there anybody like, you know, they've been better than, than, than Florida, you know, they, they've had right. away with Florida and was there anybody out there they could have gotten that would have made them as good as Tampa? I would just – no, there's nobody. But here's the only thing. For them to think that the goaltending is okay, they're 7-16 and 16 with Peter Morozik in net in the last two years in, in with goaltending. That's not, that's not going to get you to where you want to go. So, Do you think yeah. Morozik will be the goalie? I do. I think he'll end up being the goalie. I think at some point, Ned Yelkovic will either falter towards the end or maybe he loses a game and then they go to Morazic. But I think at some point, Morazic will be the goalie because it seems like that's what they really want. See, here, here's the here's the dream oh. scenario that Carolina should have been aiming for. If you look at the standings in the center right now, the, the separation between them, Tampa, and Florida is two points. Yeah. I would go all out to win that division. Me because too. Then Florida and Tampa will kill each other yep. in the first round, and you yep. play a cupcake in Nashville in the first round. And then mm. you're you're playing a team that's probably going to go through a seven game series with the Panthers and the Lightning, and you have a better chance of getting out of the division than you would playing either one of them than having to go through the other one in the second round. Well, I'm, I'm going to repeat what Eric Erlinson said because I, I thought it was very insightful. Uh, I had him on another podcast yeah. yesterday. And he is a beat writer for the the Lightning Insider. He's covered the team for uh, oh yeah forever, forever yeah. And uh, he had talked to everybody within the organization, and they have just decided that they you know it doesn't matter who they have to face um, in that division yeah. because they have learned the hard way that yeah. that the mm -hmm. worst of the teams can jump up and bite. <laughs> them. Yeah, no, but all right, but that's true, Kev. But you. I grew up in an era where you looked at the schedule. I could tell you there's no no doubt in my mind that teams looked at the schedule and they built their team up accordingly knowing we're going to face that team either in the first round oh, or yeah, second yeah, round, yeah, yeah. and we have to get past them if we want to win the Cup. And I don't feel like they did that this year. I yeah, don't. But here's the difference. I, you're absolutely right. Everybody did that except the 800-pound gorilla, and they are the 800-pound gorilla. Yes. Okay. <laughs> they, they fear no no one else. And so yeah. they, they they just don't think like that. Now, yeah. but I agree. Everybody does. They say they don't, but everybody <laughs> looks at the schedule. Yeah. Everybody has a team they don't want to play. Yeah. Yeah. Know, that sort oh, of thing. There's no question about it. I mean, Florida doesn't want to play Carolina. Florida Florida wants to get in first place. No questions asked. Right. They, they, they don't want to. Yeah. No. But the funny thing is, Mike, those cupcakes you call the Nashville Predators, um, <laughs> I want to remind you something about the Nashville Predators, okay? The year they went to the Stanley Cup final against the Pittsburgh Penguins, you know where they finished in their in their division? Well, they, they they were eighth. They were, I mean they were they you know because it was the one two three one two three they they were they were eighth in the wild card. You know in the first round they eliminated the Chicago Blackhawks in, in four in three, in four straight. Everybody and, and at that point when I remember being so pissed off that what that the Predators fell to eighth because I'm like ah oh, man how could you know you're gonna have to play the Blackhawks what the heck you know I'm not saying it's harder. I'm not saying I'm it's that it, this is what Kevin said is that, like, what Tampa's learned you know it's just like you just don't know what's gonna happen. Well, here's one thing I, I think David Poyle had the quote of yesterday when he said he's not going to lose Matthias Ekholm 
in the expansion draft. And the only way that's going to happen is if he gives a player to Seattle and they don't take him or if he trades Ryan Ellis. Otherwise, it's going to happen. So he he is going to do probably one of those two things to make sure that doesn't happen because now he quoted and said he's not going to lose him that way unless he trades him before the expansion draft. I guess that's the third option. Yeah, yeah. yeah sure. But but why, you know, he could keep Ryan Ellis and Yossi and Ekholm. Yeah. Yeah, but they I, there's probably somebody else that – they want to save also. Well, they, 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 they probably think they well, – I'm not sure Dante Fabro would be somebody that – Right. Uh, if Fabro's up for that, they want they would want to protect I, him. I I, I'd be willing to bet a nickel that uh, they don't care as much about Fabro as uh, – <laughs> as Okay. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I – See, I don't I, would take him if he's a guy that's there. That's for sure. Um, you also mentioned, Kevin, in your article that you thought Philadelphia was a bit of a loser in, in the whole thing. Yeah. And I, I have to kind of agree with that. I know we talk about Philadelphia a lot here, but just uh, give your thoughts on that. Well, I mean, uh, and you and I talked about this before I wrote that. Uh, you know, my, my thought was they were close enough that they should have been moving even before Lou Lamarilla did. And yeah. there were people out there that could have helped them. Um, I, You know, I've had numerous people around the league said, you know, everybody is blaming Carter Hart, and he has not been good, but the defense is also <laughs> Hasn't yeah. been strong, and yeah. and uh, you know they should have addressed that. And I I think this is on Fletcher. I, it is. Know, um, he he he. It, it didn't seem like he was proactive when he could see it. Um, uh, the 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 mudslide began. When the mudslide began, he didn't do anything. You know, he yeah. didn't shore up. And that's that. exactly what I said last night, Kev. He was yeah. reactive at the end of the time when he saw the team was out of it, instead of being proactive when they were still in the playoffs and they may have been able to recoup something of this season. You're right. Yeah. I mean, I this is the same group that you, know, you remember how impressed we were with this team yeah. last year and yeah. the core players are still the same, you know, They're so. the same. I mean, you know, with, of course, with the exception of Matt, Matt Niskin, who everybody talks about, but you know, honestly, well, I'll tell they, you the other one, Eck. it's Tyler Pitlick at the end of the day. I brought this up last night. Yeah. He ended up making 1.7, and everybody was like, well, well, you can't have Tyler Pitnick now because, yeah, because you signed Eric Gustafson. If they didn't sign Eric Gustafson, they could have had Tyler Pitnick, and they would have been a better team just yeah. with Tyler Pitnick and without Gustafson because they didn't need Gustafson. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, I actually thought Ottawa did okay, too, in some of the little, in some of the little, little things they did. I mean, nothing crazy, but I like that team. I mean, I just like the Ottawa Senators. Moving forward, they are just a crazy – like, if there's two teams I watch now that are that you wouldn't normally watch, and that's Ottawa and Anaheim. I just Those two teams have so many interesting players on them, and they're just – you can see where they're going to be a little bit from now. Like, I, I wrote the other night, and Mike, uh, Mike responded on Twitter to me when I wrote it, but I wrote – you know that the Senators are going to be a factor next year in 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 their division. They are going to be you know a little early. Well, act a little bit early. Yes, only little bit. only if they only if they play the Montreal Canadiens and the Maple Leafs 80, 41 times each because <laughs> they went zero and nine against Edmonton. They're not very good. They're not, not going to play good. Edmonton next year. I, I know, act, but I'm saying, <laughs> geez, no, I'm just they're going to be playing Boston and Tampa. Okay, but they're yeah, gonna be playing. No, yeah, no, no, for sure, for sure. But they, they, you know, they play Boston tough. And, and don't get me wrong, I, I am predisposed to being an Ottawa hater, but I love the talent on that team. You, yeah. uh, talk about talk about a player, Russ, that uh, he's not going to be a top six guy for them, but that could be a difference maker just because he is unbelievably fast. Alex Formanton is somebody that yeah. destabilizes games. He's mm -hmm. he's got McDavid like speed. And he's I, a little lesser, but he yeah, for a big guy, he moves, man. It's well, yeah. He, I mean, I in the game against the Leafs, he created two, one shorthanded breakaway and another one on a, another goal. He's, I mean, and he's not even probably the fifth best talent up front. I mean, they got a gift in Connor Brown from the Leafs. Brady Kachuk yeah. is is a star. Tim Stutzla is going to be a star. You know they they, need, they have some fine tuning to do. I think they need a couple defensemen, and I don't know about Matt Murray and goal. I, I'm willing to give them a, 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 the benefit of the doubt because defensively they're they're inept right now. Yeah, I don't know. That's the one thing I, I even said that on Sirius today. I don't know what Matt Murray's future is with them. Whether you know Seattle takes them just because they want a name, or he still goes on there and at some point he doesn't play well, and maybe they have to buy him out. The one thing about Formenton, though, Mike, you saw him at his best last night but he's pretty inconsistent when goal scoring 
as far as goal scoring. He's only got three on the year. In seven, in seven games. It's yeah, like, but but he, he has consistency issues. Sure. And, but he does have that speed. There's no question about it. But, but Bath- I do kind of – Batherson. And, I mean, it, it's yeah, not no, just they, the But you have to have veterans around him too. Yeah. Um, yeah, I wanted to talk to you because we uh, – to, to end this thing today, I wanted to get into um, – as you guys know, I do the predicted final standings, and we talked a lot about the the, the division on the East. And I, I was working on it last night, going through it, and seeing who's playing who and where they play, you know, stuff like that, and, and what how it's going to play out. And it's interesting because, um, you know, when I played it all out, you know, it did finish with the top four teams that we'd expect. You know, Washington. It, it, so it finishes with um, the Islanders with ninety three, the Islanders with eighty three points, Washington with eighty two, Pittsburgh with eighty. And Boston was seventy, and that's how that's how it plays out. So, and the interesting thing about that now that's Boston was seventy, that's winning all six games against the Buffalo Sabers, right? So that's like going six zero against Buffalo Sabers, which is a really tough thing to do. Now, right. I mean, because you know, I don't think they're going to win all six games, and there is definitely a, there is an interesting factor to Hall being traded to Boston, right? And the Sabers with nothing to lose going up against them. I think that's going to be a fascinating thing to watch in those six games. Um, you got to think the Buffalo is going to win a couple of them. And the, so the team that's closest, though, three points behind them, the way it plays out is the Rangers, three points behind the Bruins. Um, the well, Flyers the Flyers are, are – will end up, according to this, ten points behind the Bruins still. So the Flyers are you know done, but based on who they're playing. But the, but the Rangers, based on who they're playing – You. You may shake you may shake your head at, at what I'm going to mm-hmm. say here, but I almost think the more important addition for the Bruins was uh, Mike Riley yeah. over Taylor Hall because right now uh, Grizzlick, Carlo, and McAvoy are all out. Uh, Rask is out. Halak is on COVID. So right now you uh, right now you've got Riley is a top four defenseman, and your goaltending tandem is Ladar and Swayman. So right. I mean that, yeah. that that's you know it's the Providence Bruins except that you have the 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 incredible line or whatever the hell they're calling themselves now yeah, yeah. Uh, and Taylor Hall with Krejci I mean that and they got Curtis Lazar I think that's underrated because sure. you could plug him in any game and get some extra grease on that fourth yeah. line yep. he could he could walk in on the penalty kill like Curtis Lazar has turned out to, have, to be a decent gritty little player considering sure. he was a first rounder he he kept his career going and I kind of like what he's done. So here's a couple of reasons that Boston could have trouble, okay? Which is interesting. So Boston, Boston in the playoffs or trouble? No, in the regular the rest of the way as far as getting in. As far as oh no, boy, like I said, they're, they're gonna win, they're gonna win the, let's say they win all six games against the Sabres, right? That's fine. Um, you know, the team they play best against is the Flyers. They're they they're done with the Flyers, right? No more games against the Flyers. Um the Islanders, they have really mightily struggled against the Islanders. They're minus ten goal differential, they've only won once. Um, and they've got three games left with the Islanders, who just own the Bruins for whatever. Yeah, but when do they play the Islanders? They end their season with the Sabers, don't they? Uh, they have the Sabers throughout. I think they do end the season with the Sabers, but they have them throughout. I'm telling um, you, I said it, that, and I'll say it again. Don't want to play. They're going to squeak into the playoffs on the strength of beating the Sabers. They'll be fully healthy in the playoffs, and we'll be speaking a different tune about this team because, like Mike said, they're missing their top three. I'm saying they have I'm, to beat the Sabers or else they're in trouble. That's what I'm trying to say. Going like. To. But if they because and they're going to be in a situation there that every hockey team hates to be in a super duper under super duper favorite, like a big time favorite where everyone's expecting to win all six games against the Sabers. This isn't the Flyers though. Yeah. This is the Bruins. That that one. Oh, listen. If you think you want to bet right now, they don't win all six games against the Sabers. I'll bet you right no, now. I'm not ever going to bet that because they may not need them. <laughs> especially, especially not the way the Sabers have played during, uh, you know, with after after Kruger. Yeah, right. They're going to be loose as like loose as could be. You don't think they want to knock Heck. Boston out of the playoffs? Heck, never Taylor Hall out of the playoffs. They can knock Taylor Hall out of the playoffs. Never write off a team that has Bergeron, Marchand, and Pasternak. They will. Granted, you, I get that. They will. They will beat you over the head. You're that's just looking for a way for I'm not looking for way. Boston not to make it. You've been that looking for it for two math. weeks now. Russ, I swear to you, this is all math. I mean, this is this is <laughs> it not isn't like, math. This is crazy math. <laughs> this is not crazy math. This is looking at how the looking at the records these teams have played against each other, how many games they have against each other left, this where they are, how, how many how, how few days they have off too. I took that into account for this, like how few days they have off, which you know. That plays into it as well because some teams are going to get more tired. That's logic. That's what they do. <laughs> oh, I like that. That's I, a steely game. You know, you're arguing with a guy. You know, most of us know there are facts and opinions. 
because Russ, <laughs> they're only facts. You know, his, <laughs> well, then he should, then, then Russ, this is what you should love. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, I'm sitting here listening to this, and, you know, Russ is just throwing this stuff out, which is totally his opinion. But he's saying it as if it's just totally <laughs> gospel. <laughs> <laughs> and believe me, if there's anyone, if, if there's anyone here that is an expert on the Boston Bruins, it's me because the team that I cover has lost to them four times in the last decade. Yeah, so I'm just saying, okay, the Penguins. I told you, I told you the Penguins would be weak, but I've changed that after looking at who they play, like how they play and what where they play. They are they play no, but teams a that they want to play. You were dancing on their grave, the Penguins. Yeah, I was. But that was before I went through, like, and actually looked at this exact, like, just based on how they were playing. Okay, but looking at who they're playing and where and and how often they're playing and how they they have a, they have a better like the. Bruins have hardly any any days off. They're playing well, a bunch. You have somehow of turned you. I don't know how you did this act, but somehow you have turned out turned playing six games against the Sabers into an iffy thing, and it's not an iffy thing. I'm not putting it as iffy. I'm putting it as a you're, as a must six wins. A must six wins, Russ. Bet me right now that they win all six of those games. No, I don't need to because they don't even probably need to win all six. They need to win all six. No, they don't. No, they they don't. do. I don't think they do. No, no, they don't. I mean, no. unless unless they upset teams that they've been that they've been be, that they've been beating now, and of course they'll win a couple of those that they shouldn't yeah. win, and, and that always happens. That this is what I do in those situations instead of trying to figure out, um, you know, you know, because they've been good thus far this season, because you know that doesn't always work either, because you'll end up losing sure. that you should win. The better way to view it is at least I this is what I've done is. Um, and it's not uh, foolproof either. But, you know, if you say, okay, if, if, what's the worst Boston going to do? Are they going to do 500 hockey? Add those amount of points and then figure out what the teams below them need to do in order to pass them. I've done that, and I don't see any way that the Rangers and Flyers can do it. If, no, you, add, if you go 500 for the Bruins the rest of the way, and even without all those guys, you know, they'll find a way to go 500. Right. Um, so, so what's their standings now? Well, they, right now they are um, – so right now they're 21, 12, and 6. They've got 48 points. And how um, many games have they played? They've played 39 games. Okay, so they've got 17 to go. So 17 yep. points on the 48 is what, 65. Is that what they have, 48? Yeah, they have 48, yes. yeah. Okay, so they got 65 points. What do the Rangers have to do to get 65 points? My, my thing is – The Rangers, the Rangers have only 15 games left to get 56 points. To get 65 points, they would have to earn 21 points in 15 so games. They've got to win 10. 10. Go 10 and 5. 10, if, 4, and if, 1. 10, 4, and 1 if the Bruins only win 500. Yeah, that's 666 hockey. I mean, that, 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 now, what that tells you is not even looking at who the competition is because sometimes <laughs> it's hard to read anyway. At least that tells you that that's a difficult uh, challenge. So. The Capitals have destroyed everybody in this division except for one team. What team is that, Russ? Uh, I'm going to say it's the uh, Devils. That would be the New York Rangers. The New York Rangers uh, have a plus 10 goal differential against the Capitals. And have yeah, won yeah, I should have realized it because they had that game. Every game but one. They've, won it. They've only lost one game to the Caps. They've got three games left against the Caps. All right, so you can sit back and say, okay, so I'm not saying that they're going to win all three of those games, but if they win two of them, you know, uh, someone banging their head against the wall. Is that what's going on back there? Um, <laughs> you know, I, my house is being demolished. Like we talked about this. <laughs> so if I'm in my sunroom, you won't be able to see me because this, the glare there is crazy. So I'm here. So you're going to hear some banging. That's it. The Rangers goal differential against the Boston Bruins minus one of in the year, and they in, and and they've they've split. They've totally split, even up, flat out. Against against the Islanders, the Rangers are a plus one goal differential, and they 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 won more games than they've lost. There's, okay. And these How are many the, of those the games? I say that is these are the teams that Rangers are playing the rest of the way now. Whether and they're and they're playing better all the time. So, yes, I mean Kevin, what you're saying makes logical sense, and it, and it definitely would have been easier than staying up till four thirty in the morning doing this. But <laughs> yeah. I can. Tell. I mean, but, I, I'm not sure history uh, predicts future success. Uh, I mean, you know, yeah. it's it's just an indicator. You know, same thing is, uh, is. I I like goal differentials, so I I yeah. think the Rangers have a a, a good uh, goal differential this season is is proof that you know they're a team that you know you, yeah 
careful with. Though. But I'm going to ask Heck the more important question. So lately, David Quinn has an aversion to Alexander Georgiev because he had some bad games and he hasn't played him a lot. He played Keith Kincaid more. So the question is, of those 15 games, how many games are you playing Shosturkin? And then who are yeah. you using as the backup in the others? That's what's going to de decide their season. Yeah, well, fortunately, they're not as they're not as rough with back-to-back day-to-day games as 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 some no, other but teams. It's still are. a lot of games to throw on. They Shosturkin. do. They have a lot. But if you're if you're not playing back-to-back, -back, you can you can play Shosturkin a lot more. Um, then you not not all the time. You're right. You're not going to play them all the time. There's one team the Rangers have have been beaten beaten up on by this team this year. It was like a minus. They have a minus six goal differential against the Penguins. The Penguins have beat them up. But guess what? They played all the they played all their games against the Penguins. That's the only team they've also played all their games against. So that helps them too. There's some interesting things here that just. I mean, I'm not saying that it's going to happen, but I'm saying there are some interesting things that come through here. Um, you know. Like the Bruins being a minus 10 against the Islanders is kind of crazy. The Bruins are a minus two goal differential against the New Jersey Devils this year, which is also strange. You know, th there's certain things are strange there. Um, you know, it it's interesting when you look at, I mean, when you look at, you know, Buffalo and the Buffalo and New Jersey Devils have gotten the same exact points against each other and have, have, have a zero goal, against, goal differential against each other. They've actually canceled each other out completely. It's pretty funny. Uh, and they played each other all their games. So that it's, it's kind of fascinating to see like how this good, how, how this is going to come together. Um, who you have left matter. Well, I'm going to say this. Let's say they play, um, let's say they play Shesterkin 14 or 15, right? That would yeah. give them like 38 games on the year. That would be 67% of their games. That is hobby Bullen numbers. And in the modern era, especially since he's really only a second year goalie in this league, I think that's too much, right? So See, they're probably yeah. going to rest him at least three times. I find, I find, I find something like, something like this more interesting shifting to the North here. Um, right now, it looks like inevitably, uh, Kev, the Leafs and the Montreal Canadiens will play in the playoffs for the first time since 1979. I mean, it, it's not locked in place, but it looks pretty good. Right. Their, their schedule right now, the Leafs play the Canadiens three times at the end of the schedule. They play them the, the third 6th and 8th of May. You don't think that those teams will try to kill each other those games? Oh yeah, absolutely they will. They'll beat they'll, be, they'll especially with Montreal being more a more physical team. I think they'll they'll, they'll not target. I mean, they're not going to take illegal runs, but they'll be laying the body on Matthews and Marner and their and, and the oh, Leafs yeah. players. And yeah, the only yeah. way yeah, and the only way they don't do that is if the Leafs are so far ahead in the North Division that maybe they give give their give their uh, star players a rest in one of those games. Yeah, I, I think we'll see backup goalies in those. If oh, I think at the end of the season, you're going to see a lot of guys resting. Yeah. I mean, you, if, you're, if, if, you, if, you, if you're in the playoffs and you know where you're sitting, there is no reason because, I mean, with, with, all, the, with all those games that are being played, you've you got to be a little bit fresh going into the playoffs. Well, the other thing that we're not talking about is, uh, you know, look what happened in the NCAA hockey tournament. Um, with COVID, you know, we're in, in Michigan here, we're overrun by yeah, the yeah. new uh, uh, variant. And, um, you know, could that happen, you know, yeah. the Stanley Cup playoffs? Like, you know, that, that could impact. I mean, we could just lose the team. You know, yeah, we, it could yeah. be the wild card factor. You're right. We could, we could lose the Tampa Bay Lightning. You know, they, yeah. they just, you know, yeah. you just don't know, you know. They Having been down in fire recently, I wouldn't be surprised, honestly. They it's can't just, get beat by the Florida Panthers. They can't get beat by the Carolina Hurricanes, but they sure as hell could get beat by COVID. Yeah. I, I feel yeah. like I, I feel like I'm lucky. Like I got out of Kevin's house just at the right time and, and <laughs> saved my life. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> no, you're right. I mean, and, and I mean our hope is I guess that you know we are still uh, about a month away, right? And you know well, okay. more people better down. I mean, I, 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 I've the, said more this, players are getting vaccinated. That's the other thing that I want well, to bring up. That's like there are players getting vaccinated, which is yeah. Good. But 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 here's the concern, Eck. I mean, right now the rates are basically flat in the U.S. and everybody essentially who's an adult, um, I, like in New York, I think anybody, even somebody in their twenties, can get can get vaccinated. Today, the news came out that the the Johnson and Johnson vaccine has been pulled right now temporarily yeah. because of a certain situation. But still, the ball is rolling in the US. In Canada, it's exploding right now. And again, I ask this question. If you're the National Hockey League, if you're looking to avoid a situation like what Kevin just said, wouldn't you as the NHL get the Canadian teams vaccinated? Well, how can you do that without jumping the line? 
Well, I mean, if I'm saying buy the vaccine in the U.S. where it is plentiful and and give it yeah. to those teams. I don't think that's ethical. You know, I don't. I'm, I just don't think a professional team. I don't. The perception of line jumping, you know, is not. Uh, I mean, it's one, it would be one thing, Kev, if there's a limited pool of vaccines in Canada, and I don't suggest that these teams take from that pool, but with, you know, 100 million vaccines out there in the U.S., I'm, I'm making up the, uh, yeah. the thing. Well, not every state, though, is down to, you know, in Michigan, we are down to everybody can get it, but, you know, we're a small population state. Right. A lot of states are now, though. I mean, a lot like the Rangers got vaccinated. You know, we heard that the other day. They, 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 yeah. they, they, yeah. I'm sure the Rummies did, too, because it, Two days yeah. ago, everybody became eligible. Yeah, Pennsylvania, yeah. I was told a couple of days ago when I was at the game, they were still 1C at 1C, so they're, they they're going slow. But yeah. I think that'll change. I mean, really, they need to get vaccinated now because, like they say, the playoffs right. are the playoffs are four weeks away, you know, so you got to get one shot now, one shot three weeks from now, and then a week after that, you're kind of safe. But, you know, that's sort of, you know, you're pretty much safe a week after your second shot, they say, so... Yeah, they got to do it now if they're going to do it. Um, I, and the interesting thing about that, Kevin, though, it is you could talk about the eth ethicalness in Canada because of, because of the fact that they just can't get shots and the Canadian teams are getting shots. Right. You could also make the argument, though, <laughs> if you really want to do a rationalization part of it, that that these teams all kind of work for an American company. Right. Like the NHL is a well, the they, NHL, they do, but they're yeah. they're they're working in Canada, and you know you got to follow the laws in the country you're working in. So yeah, so yeah. I think you also got to follow the ethics. But I wonder what companies that are in America, like American companies, like I don't know, pick a company. Coca Cola. Coca Cola has has out has you know has branches in Canada for sure. I'm wondering what the people if, if there's a difference there with the people who work at a place yeah, like that. You know, that, that's a great question, and I think it would be. Uh, important to find out what they're doing, but I yeah. I can't believe that Canada would be allowing them to send, um, you know, vaccines across the border to their people when not all Canadians are getting it. Yeah, so that it is a really tough tough spot. No questions asked. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it is complicated. Like I, you know, but I, you know, I would I don't like the, uh, you know, the press the press Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't either. I don't either for sure. Um, and, you know, until but once all adults are, if all adults in this state are allowed to get it, I think then the NHL players should be allowed to get it. I mean, it's just that to me, that's where. Well, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I would assume the Red Wings have already had it. Just like I said, and because two days ago yeah. we were all, all adults can get it now. So, yeah. yeah. And, and uh, they haven't announced it yet, but it's very plausible that because of the Vancouver Canucks being shut down, and I, I haven't heard anything to the contrary that they're going to open up their practice facility on Friday, um, there's been talk that the North Division may have their playoffs delayed by a week while the games are made up that Vancouver has to make up to fill their schedule, or that they will play the other three, play the games against the other two non-playoff teams, Calgary and Ottawa, after the playoffs start just to get the 56 games in because it has ramifications for the draft lottery and things of that nature. So, I mean, things are really, really uh, up in the air right now because of the whole Vancouver situation. They're going to have to make up, I think, seven or eight games that they, they've missed. Yeah. I don't I know. Here, here's the thing. Will anybody, if it doesn't have an impact on the standings and it only has the draft, will you see teams forfeiting? Yeah, you might. You might. You might. I mean, it. It. I mean, if it doesn't have an impact on the standings, you really you you can get away with not playing those games, honestly. And and you know, and the. I mean, the other hurt I heard the, the craziest concept I heard was that they would do what you said, Mike. They would go a week longer in Canada, but they would make the first round a best of five series up there. Oh no! I know that. Wacky crazy, but I'm just saying these. Uh, you got to understand that I talk talks about the NHL, and I asked them. <laughs> I asked them, "What's the weirdest concept that's out there?" You know, just because I wanted to hear it, and that was what it was. So well, the, weird, the weirdest concept is going to the bubble again, and that's something that the players yeah. I think would revolt if they do. Hey, Ak, I've got two small things. Um, the first one is we should say, hey, Anthony Stolarz set a club record with 46 saves last night for Anaheim. Uh, you know, we were all pretty sure with all the hip injuries and everything else when he left Philly that. He, he might not be able to to be the goalie that you know maybe they originally thought he'd be, but but he has. He's done pretty good. And boy, did Patrick Liney look great with the pressure off, scoring two goals. Like I 
don't think he's a pressure guy. I don't. I think he. this was a complete turnaround for him when you saw him, the way he scored the goals last night. It was with the pressure off. It's like all of a sudden he's a different player. That's fascinating. It is really interesting. All right. It's all the time we have for today, guys. Um, thank you so much, Kevin, for jumping in on a Tuesday. And, and as always, um, thanks to the crew. Thanks for all of you for watching. And, and yesterday we set all kinds of records. We really appreciate it, guys. You guys are amazing. Um, remember, you can go to patreon.com slash hockey to support the show if you feel so moved to do so. Um, but in the meantime, remember, without the buzz, it's just hockey. It is only hockey. I promise. We'll be back again tomorrow. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.